Hey, it's Amber. I want you to think about that wise friend who knows how to tie things from the past to things going on now. You know that mentor that connects the dots? That's how you'll feel listening to Bible Threads with Dr. Bruce Becker. If you haven't had a chance yet, check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. We are continuing our series on Esther today called There's More to the Story. We're on episode five, which I'm calling You've Got to Know Who You Are. Hey guys, it's Amber, wife, mother, warrior, type A child of God. Here at Little Things, we examine everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for joining me. But before we start in Esther chapter 4, I really want to go back and make sure that we're all aware that these were very dark days for the Jews. I didn't dwell on it last time, but the Jews had been pegged for destruction. And this was, you know, an absolute slaughter that was planned for them. So this was a very, very critical time for them. It's one of those moments in your life where there's a before and an after. So there was a before the edict was written and life was this way. Then there was the edict, and it was like, wow, this is crazy nuts. What's going on here, and how are we going to make it through it? So first of all, um, when the edict was written, we're told that Mordecai tore his clothes. He put on sackcloth and ashes. He went out into the city wailing loudly and bitterly. And he was not alone because in every province there was great mourning with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Now, I don't know about you. I've never, ever gone into the streets wailing publicly, loudly, bitterly. And it made me think about it because, honestly, the only thing that I think that is sort of um, the same thing today would be our social media, where we are publicly displaying emotions or what's going on in our life. And so when someone dies, a lot of times people will post, well, it's with great sadness that we report that such and such has happened and so on and so forth. And there, there's a time of public mourning as people write on the Facebook page or message the people privately or whatever. And it makes me really think just, just a tiny bit about you know, what should be kept private and what should be very public knowledge. And everybody has a different capacity for this. Some people are extremely private and they don't want anybody to know anything about their life at all. If it was up to them, you wouldn't know any details of their personal life at all. They only give you the absolute least amount of what needs to be told. While other people are very, very um, open and readily available with all of their problems and anything that's going on in their life. When my parents were diagnosed with cancer a couple of days apart, I think 10 days apart, they had a prayer in church because my dad was going to have a pretty significant surgery and my mom was also going to be going through things. And they just thought, you know, there's no way that we're going to be able to keep this from everybody, nor would we want to. But also, they're going to notice that there's changes with us. And so they just wanted to put it out there publicly, right away to their church family, nothing to hide. We have cancer. 
we're going to be going through th- some things. So if you notice that we look different and there are changes in our appearance and, and what's happening, this is why. I don't know if I would have done that or not, quite honestly. I mean, I, I love my parents and I, I absolutely respect the choice they made. And in in all fairness, they received a tremendous amount of support because of it. So it probably was a very good way to go about it. I tend to be a little bit more um, held back when it comes to things going on in my life, maybe even more so than I should. But um, I guess there are certainly reasons for that. One thing I would say, though, is that it's really, really important that we don't overshare on social media. It's really not a good idea to put all your dirty laundry out for everybody to hear. You know, when you and your husband are fighting, the whole world doesn't need to know, especially because two weeks later, when you have a picture of you two happy and, you know, doing something super fun, we're still stuck two weeks ago when you were telling us he was a jerk and we haven't been caught up at all. I think it's really damaging and I feel really bad about the times when people post things about their children and they're going astray or they're rebellious or I can't stand this or whatever, because most of our children are on social media now. And that really isn't the way to motivate different behavior. Different behavior usually can't comes about through positive reinforcement and love and a whole lot of prayer and hopefully God sending the right people to steer our children in the right direction and that type of thing. So oversharing in social media, not a good idea. But, you know, I think it is always a good idea if you have a core group of friends that you can really be open and um, transparent with and tell them what's going on and ask them for prayers. And I absolutely delight when my friends send me a prayer request and ask me, to really keep them in prayer because this is what's going on in their life. And I take it seriously. I want to take it seriously. I want to be involved in their lives in that way. And so publicly being open to letting people in is huge. And I have found in my own life that oftentimes that's exactly when things change. When I'm finally at the point where I break down and I just put it all out there for my very close personal friends and say, you know what, we are really struggling with this and we could use your prayers. Um, Please, please go to the Lord on our behalf. And almost always shortly after that, there's a major breakthrough. And I think, why didn't I go to people earlier? Anyway, that's enough about that. At any rate, uh, Mordecai came as far as the King's Gate, and that's as far as he could go because he was in sackcloth and no one who was in sackcloth was allowed into the King's Gate any further than that. And that goes back to uh, Daniel. Basically, when he was in Babylon, um, I was reading in the People's Bible, it said, according to Count No, anyone in Babylon, now again, this is Babylon, not Persia, who had a high office must not have any imperfection of limb, eyes that aren't sound, teeth missing, lost a finger, who has a sickly look, or who is pimpled. So kings in those days really didn't want to see you if you weren't in the best form, shape. They certainly didn't want to see you if you were bummed out and you had things to complain about. Uh, If you came to see the king, you better have good news. So Mordecai was not allowed to go any further than the king's gate. 
So Esther finds out he's at the King's Gate in sackcloth and ashes, and she has an easy solution. Change your clothes. She sent a change of clothes. And he refused. So Esther sent Hathak, the eunuch, to Mordecai. And Mordecai met with him in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. And he told him the exact amount that Haman promised to pay, which probably would be the plunder from the destruction of the Jews, taking their property, taking their wealth. He promised to give that to Xerxes. He gave him a copy of the text of the edict. So Esther knew this wasn't just a rumor. This wasn't something that Mordecai heard. He gave him the text. And then he urged her to go to the king saying, hey, this is in your court. You have got to go and do something. Now, I wrote a book for Time of Grace called Chosen for More. And the chapter on Esther was called, She Didn't Ask for This Job. Because let's face it, there's parts of all of our lives that honestly we didn't ask for. And we really don't want any part of it. Or maybe we are okay with having it, you know, 90% of the time. But there are days that we're just done. And it can be as simple as, you know, walking into the kitchen and seeing a stack of dishes or cleaning the bathroom or griping, you know, with your family that it's your turn to do something. I didn't ask for this job. You know, I don't want to do this anymore or whatever. But sometimes it's a lot more serious than that. It's, you know, we want to have a family, but we didn't ask for the child with a disability, learning or other. We didn't ask for a spouse with an addiction. We didn't ask for our sibling or someone we love to be incarcerated. We didn't ask for the mental health issues that we're struggling through. Luke 12 verse 48 says, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Mordecai shows us the heart of God. God gave us whatever we have for service to the kingdom. Not for our own pleasure and glory. Not so we can just hold on to that. But because we were gifted with them to use it in the kingdom. Now, My colleague, Dr. Bruce Becker, he wrote a book called Gifted for More. I wrote Chosen for More. He wrote Gifted for More. They, um, Time of Grace had it as a set at one point. And Gifted for More was all about knowing and learning about and using your spiritual gifts. It's about learning to identify your gifts and then owning them. Know them. Use them. Ask God to use you because he has gifted you in that way. And you might be going, yeah, but why? Well, the apostle Paul answered that for us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. He said, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. As in, look, we all have a role to play. We all have a job to do in the kingdom. God didn't give us all the same role. He gifted me in one area. He gifted you in another area. The next person he gifted in a different area. We all have different responsibilities. We all have different tasks according to how God gifted us. Now, I'm a nursing assistant. And let me tell you, when there's a part of my body that isn't working well, I feel it. 
I feel it when my shoulder is hurting or when my back is hurting or one day last week, my heel was hurting and I was having a hard time walking. I need every part of my body because I have a very physical job. I can't afford to have something hurting. I can't afford to be not 100%. It really impacts the job that I do. And that's how we are as the body of Christ when we're not all working together. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you can even fathom that, because I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around that, God before time, before we were specking our parents' eyes, before our parents were ever born, before our grandparents were ever born, way before what we know as this time right now began, God knew what the world and what the church would need at this time. And he created us with the specific gifts to do each specific thing in order to build up the body of Christ and to be a witness to the secular world that hopefully those who are not yet believers might come to be believers. So God gave Esther leadership and faith and speaking gifts so that she could save his people. And then he placed her in this kingdom where she would have a position of power and influence. And when this came about that this edict was written and the Jews were set for destruction, Mordecai said to her, you are up. This is you. We need you. You don't get to just step aside and bow out of this one because you're in a position that none of the rest of us are in. Nobody else can go to the king. And she went, wait a second. Here's the deal. Yes, I am the king's wife, but it has been 30 whole days since he has called on me. He has not summoned me. He hasn't asked for me. I don't even know if he's thinking about me. And Mordecai said, hey, you know what that may be, but you still have to go. And she said, you know what? If I go, it's against the law. And do you know what could happen to me? So Josephus reports this. Now the king had made a law that none of his own people should approach him unless he were called. When he sat upon his throne and men with axes in their hands stood around his throne in order to punish such as approached him without being called. However, the king sat with a golden scepter in his hand, which he held out when he had in mind to save any one of those who approached him without being called and he who touched it was free from danger. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not, but these men had axes in their hand, and they stood before the king. That was a bit of a deterrent. That was enough to freak Esther out. Like, Mordecai, I empathize with you, but do you understand? There are people who could kill me. And Mordecai said, even so, if you refuse to go, God will provide relief and deliverance for the Jews from some other place, but you and your father's family will perish. So, that gift of faith that Esther had, she said, well, if that's the case, then you need to go and gather all the people and you need to fast. And I and my maids will do the same. And after three days, I'll go. 
And if I perish, I perish. That's her faith saying, it will be in God's perfect hands. Whatever he decides, that will be. Wow. We need to be like Mordecai's. And I don't know that I'm so good at it, and I think I want to be better at it. But Mordecai saw the gifts that Esther had, and he encouraged her to use them. And that's the thing. We're not only to be using our own gifts, but we are also to be pointing out and identifying the gifts in other people and encouraging them to get busy. As we see things that other people can do, you know, we are not to be doing everything in the church or even in the body of Christ. As we see things that need to be done, we can be showing other people, talking to other people and saying, hey, have you signed up for this? Or you would be perfect for this. Have you thought about doing this? Now, everything that somebody suggests isn't necessarily in your court to do. There are times, there are seasons there are, you know, different things. And maybe they thought of you and they are thinking more highly of you than you are actually capable of. But still, nonetheless, a lot of times we doubt our gifts or we don't see our gifts in ourselves until someone else points them out. And even when we know our gifts, sometimes we sit on them. And it is so good that we have people like Mordecai who say, hey, come on, guys, let's do it. Let's get on fire. Let's do this. I need you. You need me. Let's let's work this out and let's stay busy for God. And Mordecai really gave Esther the courage that she needed. And she resolved after that to do what needed to be done and let the chips fall where they were because God was on the throne and he would work it out one way or the other. This is our reminder to go go boldly. Do the work God has for you to do. Consider right now, as you end this podcast, if you haven't had a chance to get Bruce's book, Gifted for More, and if you don't know your spiritual gifts, start there. Go to the Time of Grace store, order the book, work through it. It was a delight. It was easy reading, very informative. I talk about it probably as much or more than any book I've ever written. And really put the time into figuring out what your spiritual gifts are. Put the time into praying. How would how would God use you in this season of your life? And then, as I said, go boldly and do whatever it is that God would have you do. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Thanks for listening to Little Things today. I know that there are so many things that you could listen to, so I don't take it for granted that you are here listening to me now. I want to listen to you. If you have any feedback or suggestions, if there's topics that you'd like to see me cover, or if you'd just like to say hi, go ahead and drop me an email at amber at timeofgrace.org.